President Biden tells Americans in Afghanistan they're supposed to rely on the mercy of the Taliban. America's enemies accelerate their aggressive behavior and the hard left signals that conservatives are the real Taliban. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protect it at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, your reminder, the fact is that your internet services, they are not private. Going online without ExpressVPN, it's like leaving your kids with the nearest stranger while you are using the restroom. You would never do that, so why would you go online without ExpressVPN? Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, etc., your online data is not secured. Any hacker on the same network can gain access to and steal your personal data. That includes like passwords and your financial details, etc. It doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack somebody. Just some cheap hardware is needed. A smart 12-year-old could probably do it. Somebody smarter than the president of the United States. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling personal information on the dark web. ExpressVPN creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. Hackers cannot steal your sensitive data. It's super secure. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption systems. It's easy to use. You can fire up the app and click one button to get protected. And it works on all your devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more. So you can stay secure on the go. Again, you don't want to leave your internet activity unprotected because why would you? Secure your online data today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. You can get an extra three months for free. It's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Alrighty, so disaster continues to roll out in Afghanistan. The Taliban are doing what they do best, namely torturing and murdering people. So video has now emerged of the Taliban torturing translators, for example, and people who had translated on behalf of the American military who was there. And then yesterday, apparently, there are people who are carrying Afghanistan's old flag, you know, the non-Taliban flag that was flying over Kabul until just a couple of days ago. And the Taliban did what they do best. They just opened fire into the crowd. According to Al-Aribiya, members of the extremist group opened fire on the crowd. At least two people dead, at least 10 people injured. Here is some of the video. You can see people begging to leave. I mean, this is, it's, it's for, for our empathetic president to just walk away from all of this, knowing that he facilitated all of this without any plan for transition is really despicable. It's quite despicable. But as we'll see, President Biden, when it comes to this sort of stuff, is pretty despicable in general. Here's some video of Afghan girls begging in the American military to take them with them because they know what's going to happen, which is effectually sex slavery for everybody under a particular age. And remember when people say, well, you know, they're just going back to the lifestyle that they chose. They're just going back to what they knew before. Many of these girls have never known this lifestyle. The United States invaded Afghanistan in 2001. It is now 2021. Girls who are 18, 19, 20 years old have never lived under the Taliban. They do not remember what it is like to live under the Taliban. If you're under 25 years old in Afghanistan, this means you have never really experienced a Taliban rule in a way that you can remember. Because again, the United States took over the country in 2001 and then handed it over to our Afghan allies. So the, the bizarre idea 
that this was approved by the Afghan population, generally speaking, particularly in the major cities that were controlled by the United States, like like Kabul, is quite crazy. It's quite crazy. And you can see the fallout from this. Here, for example, is the first Afghan Air Force pilot who was female. Her name is Niloufar Rahmani, pleading for President Biden to hear her to save the families of people who worked with the United States who are going to get stuck there. All these women, by the way, are going to get raped. All these women are going to get sold into sex slavery. If you're a single woman, you will, by 13, 14 years old, have been married off to somebody, if not raped, or you will be married and then raped. That, that is the way things worked under the Taliban from 1996 to 2001 when they ran the place. And that has come back in spades. Here is this Afghan female pilot talking about it. As an Afghan woman, I would like for President Biden to hear me, the government, that please save the families that they need you, the women, the little girls, that they always look up and to the United States, the great army that United States uh, brought to Afghanistan. And also, please save my family. Well, the good news is that the media are, are apparently dedicated to the proposition, at least to a certain extent, that the Taliban might be okay. You're starting to see this theme running through the media. Not everybody in the media. I think there are some people in the media who are on the left and, and are surprisingly actually doing some honest media coverage. I think that you've seen this from, for example, Richard Engel over at NBC News. I think you've seen this from Jake Tapper over at CNN. There are some members of the media who are still doing some honest media coverage of this. But I think the tendency over the coming days is going to be to suggest that the Taliban have in some way moderated in the same way that the media went along with the narrative that the Iranian regime had moderated and therefore it was time for the United States to make concessions to the malocracy. I think you're going to get that from the Taliban as well with regard to the media. The Taliban know how to play this. So the Taliban spokesperson yesterday, for example, said, yeah, you know, women do have rights. You know, we're going to acknowledge women's rights now. And then they add the little phrase that, that makes all of that moot. That comply with Sharia. If you say that women have rights that comply with Sharia, that means women don't have rights. Okay, Sharia law in the Taliban's interpretation of Islamic fundamentalist law means women do not have rights. But here they are saying what they think the West wants to hear. The question is, what kind of guarantees can it provide for ensuring women's rights? As I said, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to, we are going to allow women to work and study. We have got frameworks, of course. The women are going to be very active in the society, but within the frameworks of Islam. Ah, within the frameworks of Islam, under Sharia law. Uh-huh, uh-huh. By the way, this is why women, young girls, are already being sent home from school. Like, already. That is the, the wonderful Zabihula Mujahid. I'm sure we'll hear more from the spokesperson for the 8th century barbarian Taliban. Malala Yousafzai, who you'll recall, was hailed the world over for her willingness to fight for women's education in Afghanistan. She now writes in the New York Times, in the last two decades, millions of Afghan women and girls received an education. Now the future they promised is dangerously close to slipping away. The Taliban, who until losing power 20 years ago, barred nearly all girls and women from attending school and doled out harsh punishment to those who defied them, are back in control. Like many women, I fear for my Afghan sisters. She says, Afghan girls and young women are once again where I have been in despair over the thought they might never be allowed to see a classroom or hold a book again. Some members of the Taliban say they will not deny women and girls education or the right to work. But given the Taliban's history, Afghan women's fears are real. Already, we are hearing reports of female students being turned away from their universities, female workers from their offices. None of this is new for the people of Afghanistan. She says that she's going to try and funnel money in there, but uh, good luck to her. Good luck to her. Because the Taliban is not going to allow any of this. And everybody knows that this is the case at this point. The desperation of people attempting to leave is just overwhelming. 
I mean, th- there was a picture that was, that was making the rounds yesterday that is shocking, right? This is a picture of a man's legs from underneath the wheel well of a plane. This would be an American jet. Okay, they, they're above the cloud line. So they are thousands of feet high. This person grabbed onto the wheel well of a plane in an attempt to escape. And we already know, according to Politico, that one man, his body was found mangled in the wheel well of an American C-17. Okay, you know what kind of desperation it takes in order to do that? Some pretty significant desperation. By the way, the Taliban has been shooting at Afghans near the airport. So anybody who is attempting to escape, the Taliban is just shooting. Joe Biden decided it would be a good idea to hand the country back over to these people. They said this would be a great idea. All it took was maintaining a bare bones troop presence, 2,500 troops in a support capacity, fixing airplanes. And uh, he decided not worth it. Let's leave these barbarians in charge of a country of 38 million people. Probably that'll provide no threat to the United States in terms of an uptick in, uh, in terror threat. And by the way, subjecting 38 million people to the predations of some of the worst people on planet Earth. Uh, There was a time, by the way, when Joe Biden, who is now ardently against nation building, uh, he said there was no alternative to nation building. This is 2003. In some parts of the administration, nation building is still a dirty phrase. But the alternative to nation building is chaos. A chaos that churns out bloodthirsty warlords, drug traffickers and terrorists. And we have we've seen it happen in Afghanistan before. And I am quite frankly fearful it may happen again. Mm, just, um, yeah, well, he's, he's changed his tune somewhat. By 2010, by the way, this is what's so amazing. When you look to your politicians for empathy, you are looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. It is stupid to look to your politicians for empathy. I, first of all, I don't think the politicians should operate on the basis of empathy. I think they should operate on the basis of rational calculation. I don't think Joe Biden does either. I don't think he operates on the basis of empathy or on the basis of rational calculation. But just to remind you, for all those people who believe that Joe Biden is a kindly old grandfather figure, Here's what Joe Biden had to say in 2010 about pulling out of Afghanistan. So Richard Holbrook had a diary. Richard Holbrook was the special envoy from the Obama administration to Afghanistan and Pakistan. And Holbrook asked Biden about America's obligation to maintain presence in Afghanistan to protect vulnerable civilians. And here was what Biden responded. F that. We don't have to worry about that. We did it in Vietnam. Nixon and Kissinger got away with it. F that. Well, Man is true to his word, F that, and F those people. By the way, again, our weaponry is now in the hands of these barbarians. According to Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, who did just a cataclysmically bad performance yesterday in front of the press. I mean, this is just a catastrophe in terms of public relations. The national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, Rhodes Scholar, genius all the way around, Obama holdover. He says, oh yeah, by the way, billions of dollars of our weaponry is now in the hands of the Taliban. We don't have a complete picture, obviously, of where every article uh, of defense materials has gone, but certainly a fair amount of it has fallen into the hands of the Taliban. And uh, obviously, we, we don't have a sense that they are going to readily hand it over to us at the airport. We don't have a sense they're going to... Of course they're not going to hand it over. You give them billions of dollars in sophisticated weaponry. Of course. No, they're going to come up. They're going to, they're going to show up with their MRAPs and be like, you know what, guys? We know that you're leaving. And just as a parting gift, we decided to give you back this billions of dollars in military hardware, including sophisticated drone technology. By the way, we are busily trying to scrub any biometric 
materials that we have in Afghanistan because the Taliban are going through all of that stuff and they are finding everybody who worked with us and then they are murdering those people. Okay, so Jake Sullivan was also asked why Biden had ignored intelligence reports suggesting that precisely this was going to happen. And this is the amazing thing. None of this was unforeseeable. unforeseeable. It was all precisely foreseeable. I mean, many of us have been predicting this for years, that if the United States pulled out, there'd be absolute chaos in Afghanistan. For God's sake, I wrote a novel in like 2016 or 2015 talking about what would happen if the United States pulled out of Afghanistan precipitously and how the embassy would fall. Okay, it didn't take a genius to figure this stuff out. This is the most obvious thing in the world. But the, many in the intelligence community were saying, yeah, this is going to collapse really, really fast. Jake Sullivan was asked, uh, so why did you ignore all of that? Numerous officials have told ABC that there were key intelligence assessments warning the Taliban could overwhelm the country and take the capital within weeks. Did the White House disregard that intelligence and push ahead? Uh, I'm not actually familiar with the intelligence assessments you're describing, uh, but I also don't want to get into um, specific intelligence products. And one thing I will not do from this podium or anywhere else is... um, talk about what a different component of the interagency did or didn't do. Yeah, I mean, he's committed to the classification process, obviously. And that's why he's not answering the question, not because the Biden administration completely and thoroughly blew this, but because he has to make sure that classified information doesn't spill into the public. You mean classified information about what we knew about the collapse of the Afghan security? That class, like, because we can all see it in real time happening like now. I don't need a classified report from six months ago to tell me what was going to happen. I can see it happening like in the moment right now. My favorite here is Jake Sullivan saying, oh, yeah, no, no, we definitely take responsibility. But by the way, everyone else is responsible. I take responsibility for this, but really it's on you. It's really on sort of everyone, isn't it? I mean, like, sure. Uh, A man comes home and he says to his wife, yeah, you know, she says to him, you cheated on me. He says, right, you know, and I take responsibility for that. But really isn't about all of us. Isn't it about the bigger picture here? Here's Jake Sullivan doing this pathetic routine. He's taking responsibility for every decision the United States government took with respect to Afghanistan because, as he said, the buck stops with him. I am also taking responsibility, and so are my colleagues, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the directors of our intelligence agencies. We as a national security team collectively take responsibility for every decision, good uh, decision, uh, every decision that doesn't produce perfect outcomes, that is what responsibility is. Now, at the same time, that doesn't change the fact that there are other parties here responsible as well. Oh, we take total responsibility for all of our decisions. Also, it's them. By the way, speaking of uh, people who are doing excellent reporting, Clarissa Ward over at CNN, who's been getting some flack, for no reason, it seems to me, for her reporting on the ground. She's now having don a burqa in order to continue reporting over there. She's got the hijab on. She doesn't have the full face covering on because she's in front of the camera. Um, but uh, if you want to see what has happened in Afghanistan, all you have to do is check her garb from a week ago versus her garb now. And that, of course, is no fault of her own. She's doing excellent reporting. She's reporting that over at Kabul airport, quote, this is mayhem. This is nuts. It is impossible for an ordinary civilian, even if they have their paperwork, to get out. No way they are running that gauntlet. No way they are going to be able to navigate that. There's no order. There's no coherent system. We'll get to the failures of evacuation in just one second, because that is the chief and foremost issue on everybody's mind at this point, is how the hell we get Americans out there, apparently 10 to 15,000 American civilians on the ground in Afghanistan right now with no plan to get them out. And there are probably 100,000 people who are allied with the United States openly, and their families, we're not going to get out right now. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about how it is important to be a gun owner. 
in an insecure world, it does feel increasingly necessary for you to be a participant in the Second Amendment. Responsible citizens should own, they should keep and bear arms to defend their families and defend their rights. Well, this means you have to have a working gun, obviously. I want to talk to you about the folks over at Apex Gun Parts. Apex Gun Parts is one of the largest online retailers of military surplus gun parts and accessories. Whether it's gun parts from World War II, like the Enfield and the M1 Garand, or even surplus military from the Cold War and beyond, Apex is the number one source for every part and accessory you can imagine. Apex Gun Parts prides themselves in outstanding customer service because just like you, they have a love for historic firearms and the Second Amendment. For a limited time, Apex Gun Parts is giving away an Israeli Galil rifle parts kit on their website for our listeners. The Galil rifle was one of Israel's most iconic firearms in the 1970s. If you'd like to enter, you can visit apexgunparts.com slash Ben to enter for your chance to win. That is apexgunparts.com slash Ben to enter. No purchase necessary. Rules and restrictions apply. That's pretty cool. Check them out right now. Apexgunparts.com slash Ben to enter your chance to win the iconic Israeli Galil rifle parts kit right now. Alrighty, so meanwhile, evacuation which was supposed to be the the chief priority here, right? Making sure everybody gets out. Uh, They're not. According to the Biden administration on Tuesday, this is the Wall Street Journal reporting, the airport in Kabul was open for both military and civilian flights, but access remained near impossible for the thousands of Afghans seeking to leave Afghanistan as the Taliban strengthened control over the city and a Taliban leader returned from exile. Military flights resumed as the U.S. sent additional troops to secure the perimeter and manage air traffic control and ground operations following two days of chaos while Westerners and Afghans raced to escape the country. The U.S. said it had completed the evacuation of its embassy staff, leaving only a small contingent to process other departures from the country. By the way, the U.S. embassy embassy staff should, if this were an orderly transition, be the last people to leave, right? They have to be there on the ground to process the paperwork. They were the first people to leave because this this is just a show. I mean, it it is a bleep show. However, many thousands of Afghans who had worked for Western embassies and organizations remained stranded and unable to reach the airport for evacuation flights. The Taliban erected checkpoints at the entrances of the airport. They're whipping and beating Afghans who attempted to cross even with their paperwork. Plus, by the way, there is no guarantee that Americans who are there are going to be able to get out at this point. So the NSA's Jake Sullivan, again, this is one of the most catastrophic press conferences I have ever personally witnessed. And I mean, it's really, really bad. Jake Sullivan was asked, are we going to um, have troops there past August 31st to facilitate the exit of both Americans who are stuck in Afghanistan and Afghan allies who are stuck in Afghanistan, and Jake Sullivan wouldn't commit to that. By the way, the date as of right now is August 18th. So he's saying we may not have troops pass there 13 days out from now to help people get out. Here we go. Will U.S. troops stay until everyone is out, or will they leave? So I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals. What I'm going to do is stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting as many people out as rapidly as possible, and we will take that day by day. So you can't commit to bringing back every American And uh, and then he was asked, can you guarantee every American is going to get out? And uh, he really didn't have any answer for that. Then he he was asked, you know, why exactly didn't we get these people out earlier? We had we were there for 20 years. Why didn't we facilitate their exit earlier? And Sullivan has no answer. There have been questions raised about whether we should have drawn down our embassy and evacuated our Afghan allies earlier. These are reasonable questions. We did dramatically accelerate the SIV process and move out a substantial number of SIV applicants and their families. But the Afghan government and its supporters, including many of the people now seeking to leave, made a passionate case that we should not conduct a mass evacuation lest we trigger a loss of confidence in the government. Amazing. Amazing. We shouldn't, I mean, like the, the, the excuse making here. So the reason that we didn't evacuate earlier is because we were told by the Afghan government, which no longer exists, that if we evacuated earlier, then it might undercut their credibility. 
Wait a second. Wasn't the president of the United States one month ago saying that the Afghan government would not capitulate? That Kabul would not fall? This was not going to be like Saigon? We were told that a month ago. So maybe it was actually your boss, Jake Sullivan, and you who were doing this, who were making sure that nobody got out. By the way, Jen Psaki was, was asked, can you guarantee that Americans are all going to make it out, that everybody's going to get out? And uh, she, uh, she mush-mouthed it. Can you offer any guarantee to the Americans and Afghan allies that if they remain there past the end of the month, U.S. troops will help them evacuate past the end of the month? Weisha, our, our focus right now is uh, undoing the work at hand and on the task at hand. And that is day by day, getting as many American citizens, as many SIV applicants, as many members of a vulnerable population who are eligible to be evacuated to the airport and out on planes. Uh, and we're going to do that in an expeditious fashion. That is the focus of the president, of our secretary of defense, of our secretary of, of state, uh, and everybody on our national security team. Uh, so that that is where we will keep our efforts. You know, they're, they're keeping their focus on making sure that everybody gets out, but they're not guaranteeing that everybody's going to get out. It's kind of awkward. because Sort of as, as though they've kept their focus on the border, but they've done nothing over there. In a second, we're going to get to the actual plan for getting people out. It is unbelievable. Okay, We'll get to the actual plan for getting people out. Um, a lot of people ain't going to get out. Okay, particularly our Afghan allies, they're screwed. They're absolutely screwed. I'm getting letters from soldiers every hour talking about people they worked with who are just going to get murdered over there. We'll get to this in just one second first. It can be overwhelming to perform at your best as you age. Career, family, staying in shape. Life can get stressful. You start to slow down. You're not present when you want to be. To perform at your best physically and mentally, you can't let age beat you. This is where M-Drive can help. M-Drive is the daily supplement for driven men who don't want to slow down, who refuse to be tired every day and want to be the best at what they do. It is packed with clinically tested ingredients that support healthy testosterone levels while helping you lose weight and stay lean. Added vitamins and nutrients, reduce stress, boost your drive so you can perform at your best. Find it at Walgreens and other retailers or visit mdrive4men.com. Get 20% off your first order with promo code BEN. They got free shipping. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. M-Drive, it's not for everyone. It's for the driven. Go check them out right now mdrive4men.com, promo code Ben. Again, that is the letter M, drive4men.com, promo code Ben. Give it a try. See if it boosts your energy level. I think it will. They've got free shipping, a 60-day money-back guarantee. So again, there really is no risk to this thing. Increase your drive with mdrive4men.com. Use promo code Ben. And when you get 20% off your very first order when you use that promo code Ben. Alrighty, so what is the actual plan for getting people out? The actual plan is, we'll trust the Taliban. I kid you not. This is the plan. According to the UK Daily Mail, the White House confirmed it is relying on the Taliban to help provide safe passage for civilians looking to evacuate Afghanistan as the State Department warns U.S. civilians there to shelter in place until it is safe to leave. Here is Jake Sullivan explaining, guys, Taliban is not going to stop people who are trying to get to the airport like Americans. Why would they do that? Can you tell us what is it exactly the commitment that you have secured from the Taliban regarding the safe passage of Americans as well as, as the tens of thousands of vulnerable Afghans? The Taliban have informed us that they are prepared to provide the safe passage of civilians to the airport, and we intend to hold them to that commitment. Oh, they, they, do you? You're going to hold them to that commitment? Or what? Or what? This should always be the question that comes to this administration now. Or what? What are you going to do? Yell at them? Send them a vaguely worded letter? You want to do something military related? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure after you pulled out and after you said, screw all the people who are there. I'm sure that they, they are quaking in their boots at the notion that that this balding Rhodes Scholar is going to somehow threaten them into submission if things go wrong. Yes, uh, clearly, 
that this doddering old president is going to unleash the gates of hell upon these people if they don't allow Americans out. Or alternatively, we're going to beg them and we're going to plead with them. And then if they don't do what they said they would do, then, you know, we'll just kind of like take it. Well, you know, that, that's what we're going to do. By the way, it is six weeks since Joe Biden was specifically asked about trusting the Taliban. He said, no, I do not trust the Taliban. Now we are trusting the Taliban to allow all the Americans out. Sullivan says, by and large, what we have found is that people who have been able to get to the airport and present themselves, there have been instances, you know, where we've heard that people are being turned back and even beaten. We're taking that up in our channels with the Taliban. Oh, well, then I'm sure things are going fine. I'm sure that that is just going great. Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby was asked, okay, so are you actually like sending people out to gather the Americans? Are you sending people out from the military to go into Kabul and pick people up and bring them back to the airport? And here is his idiotic response. We're working hand in glove with the State Department uh, in terms of supporting their plans uh, at processing these individuals. Uh, but uh, again, that's something that we're going to be doing on a case by case, day by day basis. Right now, though, uh, I don't want to set the expectation that uh, that we are equipped and, and, uh, and able uh, to go out into the countryside and physically move people into Kabul. Our focus right now, the troops that we have there are at the airport. The idea is to make sure we can get that uh, the air operations not only have they resumed, but to keep them in place for as long as possible. Oh, okay. Well, then it's all fine. Kirby was also asked about our Afghan allies and whether they can get out. And he's like, well, you know, we're going to have to check their paperwork. And Clarissa Ward of CNN was having none of it. Again, she's been doing excellent work here. I don't know why people are giving her flack. I'm the one who has to look them in the eye. Can I offer them your assurance that everyone who has worked with American organizations will be got out of this country safely? Clarissa, first of all, thanks for uh, your incredibly brave reporting uh, and the um, and the images and the stories that you're telling. Uh, we're all grateful and we all know how hard and how dangerous that work is. Uh, I would ask you to tell them uh, that there is a process uh, that uh, that they can apply for uh, through the State Department uh, to to get onto the list and get onto the manifest. And I would ask them to to work with uh, State Department authorities there uh, in Kabul to do that. Uh, and and if they if they are through that process, uh, I can assure them and you can assure them on our behalf that we in the Pentagon will do everything we can uh, to help get them out of the country over the next couple of weeks. That's what we're flowing in extra aircraft for. That's why we're flowing in extra troops to maintain security at that airport so that we can do that. You'll notice that what he is saying there provides no guarantee that people who should be able to get out of the country get out of the country. You know, they should file their paperwork and then they should wait. They should wait around, shelter in place, wait around while the Taliban threaten murder them. And then you know, maybe after we file their paperwork, we'll find a way to get them out of the country. These are people who put their lives on the lines on behalf of American interests, by the way. And as I say, I've been getting dozens of letters from soldiers like every day saying, I worked with this family in Afghanistan. I can't get in touch with them. Please, can you do something? Me, okay? I'm a political commentator. I'm not a member of the government. I'm not a member of the State Department. I'm not, a me I'm not an elected official. I'm getting letters like this. Okay, that, that's how horrible this administration is at doing what it said it would do. Meanwhile, the administration patting itself on the back. Jake Sullivan says, you know, all of this just proves that we should have left. Oh, really? That, that's interesting. So I think the argument could then be made that the rise in crime rates in America's major cities in the aftermath of the police pulling back is just evidence. I mean, if people don't, obviously people there want crime. Defund the police is probably a good idea then, right? If you take away the people who are the protective force and then bad things happen, this just proves that people wanted bad things to happen. So you shouldn't have had a protective force there in the first place. This is so counterintuitive and nonsensical. What has unfolded over the past month has proven decisively that it would have taken a significant American troop presence, multiple times greater than what President Biden was handed 
to stop a Taliban onslaught, and we would have taken casualties. American men and women would have been fighting and dying once again in Afghanistan, and President Biden was not prepared to send additional forces or ask any American personnel to do that over the period ahead. Um, no. So that is, um, no, that is not actually what was happening. There was a skeleton force there. None of this was happening. Skeleton force is gone. All of this is happening. It's that simple. Okay, meanwhile, I, I have to say, it is astonishing to watch. It, uh, it, the mind is boggled. At not only the lack of competence, but the lack of even basic decency and honesty from this administration. It really is an amazing thing. All the people are like, Trump violated all norms. Trump was the worst. Trump, he, mean tweets. Blah. Okay, now I've noticed that um, 38 million people are now living under abject tyranny over there. And also, all of our enemies are on the move globally. All of them. But don't worry. Jake Sullivan says that our allies should actually feel comforted by all of this. If you're Taiwan, now under threat from China, if you are Israel under threat from Hamas, then you should feel comforted by America's commitment here because it's not like we just cut and run and left a giant country, a strategically important country that borders both India and Pakistan and also Iran. It's not like we just left that country in the hands of literally the worst people on the planet who were responsible for the destruction of the Twin Towers in 2001 and the Pentagon in 2001 and the murder of 3,000 Americans in 2000. It's not like we just did any of that. All of our allies should feel super confident given the fact that we are now going to leave our allies in Afghanistan to be abjectly murdered. I mean, just shot in the streets. They, our allies should feel pretty comfortable, says Jake Sullivan. We believe that our commitments to our allies and partners are sacrosanct and always have been. We believe our commitment to uh, Taiwan and to Israel remains as strong as it's ever been. Keep in mind that with respect to Afghanistan, we said back in 2011 that we would be out in 2014. We stayed another seven years. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they should feel. They, they, I'm sure our allies will feel very comfortable. They're so comfortable, in fact, that uh, all of our enemies are on the move. According to Reuters, Iran has now accelerated its enrichment of uranium to near weapons grade, a move raising tensions with the West as both sides seek to resume talks on reviving Tehran's nuclear deal. Who could have predicted this? You mean Iran is ramping up because they know that they can now take this administration for all they're worth? So Iran is ramping up. You'll see Iran ramp up its terror activities in Yemen, in Syria, in Lebanon, because why the hell wouldn't they? This is a weak, pathetic, mewling administration. China, meanwhile, held an assault drill near Taiwan after so-called provocations, according to Reuters. China carried out assault drills near Taiwan on Tuesday with warships and fighter jets exercising off the southwest and southeast of the island in what the country's armed forces said was a response to, quote, external interference and provocations. And so they are now looking at the possibility of military action against Taiwan. They've already threatened and said, well, you know, the, the truth is that the United States ain't going to do anything. So maybe you should work with us. Meanwhile, the State Department had uh, no answer on why exactly the, the Biden administration was so sanguine about Chinese prospects in Afghanistan. Remember, the, the State Department said just this week, they said, you know, China and Russia, they're probably pretty upset we pulled out from Afghanistan. The thing they wanted most was for us to stay. Weird, says Andrea Mitchell, again, shockingly doing an act of journalism here, saying, uh, I've noticed that the China are happy to work with the Taliban. China is moving towards recognition of the Taliban already. Well, uh, look, without I, any guarantees of human rights or any other guarantees, uh, it just so happens that China, the People's Republic of China, is a permanent member of the UN Security Council. Uh, so I can tell you precisely uh, what they said uh, when uh, they signed on to the statement on August 16th. But what they're doing today is moving towards recognizing the Taliban. 
I am going to have to defer to officials in Beijing to speak to what they're doing. I can tell you precisely what they signed on to, precisely what... Well, what does what, that tell you about their intent? I, I'm, I'm not here to divine the intent of the PRC government. My God. I mean, their intent is perfectly clear. We know exactly what they're doing. We know exactly... So this... Oh, my God. They're, they're just such liars. They're such unbelievable liars. Meanwhile, this administration... Let's recognize, uh, as far as our allies go, right? So if you're an ally of the United States, you have to be feel super uncomfortable at this point. Like, why wouldn't you engage in the real politique of attempting to triangulate by, by playing off the United States against, for example, China and Russia? Why wouldn't you be attempting to reach out to other great powers for some semblance of support? Why wouldn't you become more of a free agent? See, the United States, in order to have allies, has to make commitments and it has to fulfill those commitments. We have, so far this decade, abandoned the Kurds, abandoned the people of Hong Kong, abandoned the dissidents in Iran, abandoned the dissidents in Cuba, abandoned the entire country of Afghanistan. We are about to abandon our allies in Taiwan. So what exactly is the incentive for anyone to make a sacrifice in order to be an ally to the United States? What is the incentive? The answer is there is no incentive. And remember, this is the same administration that is currently attempting to, for example, legitimize in large measure Israel's opponents, right? So if you're Israel, do you trust the United If you're Saudi, if you're the Saudis, do you trust the United States at this point to have your back if things get hairy? Why would you? By the way, Hamas, which has been which was treated by the entire media, not as the provocateur and terrorist group that it is in the last Israel Hamas conflict, but instead as a sort of victimized power. Hamas is celebrating the Taliban takeover. They issued a statement welcoming, quote, the defeat of the American occupation in all Afghan land and praising the Taliban's, quote, courageous leadership on this victory, which was the culmination of its long struggle over the past 20 years. Definitely people that uh, we should force Israel into negotiations with. Meanwhile, by the way, th there seems to be this idea out there by the Biden administration that all this is going to make Biden more popular, that in the end, pulling out from Afghanistan is going to create vast popularity. Here's the thing. The American people are congenitally isolationist. Americans are not particularly fond of presidents who campaign on the basis of going into war. Going all the way back to World War I when Woodrow Wilson literally campaigned in 1916 on the slogan, he kept us out of the war, and then proceeded to take us into World War I. So Americans are really not fond of war. We don't want to be in wars, but there is one thing that Americans hate worse than getting in war, and that's getting our ass kicked by a bunch of savage barbarians from the 8th century. We are not fond of that look, particularly. And Joe Biden is feeling that in the approval ratings. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact you don't want to go to an auto parts store. Why would you? I mean, really, you wait in line, you finally get up to the front, you got a Beto O'Rourke lookalike going, hey, bro, what kind of part do you need? And then he orders it online, he upcharges you, it takes you 25 minutes, and then finally, the part comes three weeks later, you have to go back to the auto parts store. Or you could just go to the interwebs, the greatest of all places, rockauto.com. It's so much easier than walking into the store and going through that entire silly process. Instead, rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Rich Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck in Rich Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. All right, we'll get to more of the news in just one moment. First, you deserve to wake up to the facts, which is why we started our newest podcast, Morning Wire. It's been topping the Apple and Spotify charts since its recent release. I'm very proud of this product. You should check it out. It's the only daily news podcast that values your time and the truth. 
And while we're working overtime to bring you the news you need to know, we need your help to keep the facts trending toward number one. Subscribe. Start listening now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Also, we have a special deal for you right now. If you sign up as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, not only do you get 25% off your new membership, you also will be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip for two. This is an amazing deal. A trip for two, you and a guest, to the Daily Wire studios to see Candace Owens live. Not only will you meet Candace, you'll get an inside look at her studio front row seats to watch her take down leftist live and in action on her talk show, Candace. Hurry, because this deal ends today. So you're getting a couple of things. Number one, you get 25% off the Daily Wire membership, which is the best deal available. Dailywire.com slash subscribe, use code VIP. But then you also are automatically entered for a chance to win a magical romantic honeymoon trip to two for two to come to the Daily Wire offices and hang out with Candace at the Candace Owens show. This deal ends today. Act fast. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get 25% off with code VIP. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Hey, so many of the folks in the media, they keep pretending that at some point, at some point, Biden is going to emerge unscathed from all this, which is what they really care about. Because here is the deal. We are now, decline is a choice. It is a phrase that the Charles Krauthammer once used in a speech. He gave a very famous speech in 2009 where he said, decline is a choice. You know, people act as though the decline of the United States is inevitable, but you actually have to make the active choice for decline. Joe Biden has chosen a decline. He has chosen the bloated, cancerous social democracy ideas of Europe for home. And he has chosen the surrender first caucus politics abroad. We are, in, we are a, a country and a republic in decline. And that decline is in fact a choice. We are not muscular in our own defense. We're not interested in our own interests. We have decided we're going to blow out the debt at home. We're going to spend more money than God or man has ever seen or created. And we are going to destroy our own credibility on the world stage and hand it over to our enemies at the same time. We are watching the self-cannibalization of the American legacy in real time. But the media are convinced that all this is fine for Joe Biden because if Joe Biden doesn't spend the, the money on guns over there, he can spend the money on butter here at home is the idea. So Nicole Wallace is leading this ridiculous group of folks over at MSNBC. She says, you know what? 95% of Americans agree with Biden. Really, Nicole, do they? 95% of the American people will agree with everything he just said. 95% of the press covering this White House will disagree. And for an American president to finally be completely aligned with such an overwhelming majority of what the American people think about Afghanistan is probably a tremendous relief to the American people. Okay, so this is what the media are going to turn to. So again, I'm not going to say the whole media because there are some who are honest enough to note what is happening here. But the Nicole Wallace party line here, which is that eventually the American people are going to turn in favor of all of this and be super happy about it. Uh, I have serious doubts. Right now, the polls show that Joe Biden has dropped below 50% for the first time in his entire presidency. Uh, he, is, he is well below 50%, actually. His disapproval, which started at 35% in February, is now up to 46.1%. It turns out the American people are not fans of failure. Joe Biden is an abject failure. How much of a failure is Joe Biden? According to Jake Sullivan, that national security advisor, Joe Biden, in the process of this entire debacle, has not spoken to a single foreign leader. Remember, this is this is the great diplomacy first president. This is the man who said on national TV just two days ago that he was pursuing diplomacy ties with our international allies. He has been in Camp David playing old Atari games and watching Matlock while eating Insure with a spoon while not calling any of our allies, according to Jake Sullivan. Uh, he has not uh, yet spoken with any other world leaders. Uh, 
myself, Secretary Blinken, uh, several other senior members of the team have been engaged on a regular basis with foreign counterparts, and we intend to do so in the coming days. Right now, the main issue is an, an operational issue. It's about how we coordinate with them to help them get their people out. We've not spoken to any foreign leaders. And by the way, Chen Saki was asked, uh, so when does Biden return to D.C.? She was asked this yesterday. She said, well, there's really no timetable. Because remember, he did his little press conference and then he just walked out and headed right back to vacation. The president will uh, return uh, to the White House. I don't have an exact time for you, but tomorrow he will uh, both be uh, doing an interview with George Stephanopoulos for ABC. Uh, and he will also, where he will, of course, I'm certain, be uh, speaking to the situation on the ground in Afghanistan. Uh, he'll also be delivering uh, some remarks on COVID as well. In terms of additional uh, portions of the schedule next week, we're still working those through. So I don't have an update for you at this moment in time. Um, so there is an update. Joe Biden is headed back to the White House today. He is going to speak about COVID because very important to misdirect away from the complete surrender and abject humiliation of the United States in Afghanistan. So he's going to talk more about COVID. And he's going to yell at Ron DeSantis, I would assume. Well, uh, by the way, quick note on that. The trajectory for the Delta variants in Florida and Hawaii, they're identical. I was just in Hawaii. Hawaii is totally masked. Hawaii has a full regimen. You have to, in order to get into Hawaii, you have to show that you've been vaccinated or you have to show a negative PCR test within the last 48 hours. And Hawaii has the exact same trajectory as Florida. So it turns out the Delta variant is extremely transmissible. People are getting it. It ain't about DeSantis. But Biden needs some talking point to get people to stop talking about the fact that he's an incompetent buffoon. Even Chuck Todd, who's normally administration cheerleader, he says, uh, yeah, the veneer of competence, that's gone. I do think the biggest political fallout from this is competency. Joe Biden's greatest strength against Donald Trump in the campaign was the idea that he's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. We're facing this crisis with COVID. We need some basic competency back in government. No more chaos. He's lost the competency uh, uh, high marks that he was getting at one time. That's tough to get back. Um, so, yeah, that is um, it's not coming back. Nobody thinks he's competent. The only question for Democrats is whether they think the people around him are competent. See, this is the question for a lot of people on the Republican side when Trump was president. There are a lot of people who are like, Trump is incompetent. And a lot of us would say, OK, well, whatever Trump is tweeting today, the people around him are actually really competent. Look at the policy. Now look at the policy. Don't look at the tweets. Look at the policy. Forget about the mean tweets for a second. Look at what he's actually doing. We had record prosperity. We had stability on the foreign, uh, on, on the foreign front. We were facing up to the problem of China. We were facing up to the problem of Russia. We were cutting peace deals in the Middle East. Forget about Trump personally. Okay, well, Democrats don't have the ability to do this because the people around Biden are also promoting this idiotic policy. Right? Biden is not there. He's not been there for quite a while. The lights are on, but nobody is home. That attic is missing a couple of boxes. And the people around him are doing nothing to facilitate actual competency in government. Representative Seth Moulton, Democrat from Massachusetts, who actually is a former military member. Even he was ripping on the president of the United States yesterday on MSNBC. With the number of people we need to get out and the number of days that we had before U.S. troop withdrawal is complete, they should have been conducting this evacuation for months. Uh, this is the first question I asked Secretary Austin when he came before the House Armed Services Committee just two months ago. I said, Mr. Secretary, why have you not already begun this evacuation? All the scenes of total chaos that we saw play out on the TV yesterday could have been avoided if the administration had planned for this in advance. Correct. Correct. 
Full disclosure, I know Representative Moulton on this sort of stuff. He's terrific. Okay, he is correct on this. This is, a, this is it's, it's an act of pure insanity, what has happened here. By the way, how delusional does the United States remain? So Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield was asked on CNN by Wolf Blitzer about the Taliban violating people's rights. Her answer was, in no uncertain terms, the United Nations would be putting through, quote, a very strongly worded press statement from the Security Council that we expect the Taliban to respect women's rights and to be respectful of humanitarian law. Well, I mean, guess case closed. We're done here. The Biden administration and our allies, our allies hmm, on the U.N. Security Council, like China and Russia, definitely that, yeah, that strongly worded statement to a, bunch, to a bunch of eighth century barbarians who are literally wielding whips. I kid you not is according to CNN reporter Clarissa Ward, they're wielding whips at the airport to smack any Afghan attempting to leave the country and escape their barbaric rule. If we issue a strongly, a very strongly worded statement, says Ambassador Linda Thomas Greenfield at the UN, if we do that, definitely they will stop doing what they have been doing. Because after all, they're not 8th century barbarians. We just handed billions of dollars in sophisticated military hardware and an entire country. It'll be fine, guys. It'll be fine. Now, the competence is here. The adults are back in charge. How refreshing. Remember we were told all this in January? Oh, the adults are back. Isn't it nice to have competent governance again? Isn't it nice? Weird, because that went when that terrible, incompetent orange man was there, none of this bleep was happening. Remember that? Yeah, all you guys were doing was whining about how, how he was tweeting. And, and now we've got this. Now we've got this. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free. No strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com Shapiro. Claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. They are excellent. They've got great coverage and they don't hate your guts. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and switch on over. Okay, but here's the thing. Many on the left are satisfied with this because in the end, their agenda is not about American security. Their agenda is not about strengthening the United States. For many on the left, they're happy that we are redirecting all of our focus from enemies abroad to enemies within. This is a serious, serious problem. There are a lot of people on the left who are far more concerned with the enemies within than with the enemies abroad. This is why you saw the spectacle of General Mark Milley of the Joint Chiefs of Staff saying to Congress that he was deeply, deeply concerned about the roots of white rage. He had to have his soldiers learn. They had to read Ibram X. Kendi to learn about critical race theory and the roots of white rage. We definitely needed that. We needed Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, talking about how we needed to diversify the military. This was a key priority. The wokeification of the military, this was, this was key. Not actually winning wars. By the way, who's going to get fired for this? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller, no one's going to get fired for this. If you were this incompetent at your job, you'd be fired forthwith, like within seconds. These, these jackasses have made a mockery, like an absolute mockery of the sacrifices of the brave men and women of the American armed services who sacrificed in many cases, in thousands of cases, their lives 
in tens of thousands of cases, their body parts, their livelihoods, their mental health in order to establish American security on the ground in Afghanistan and provide us a base to fight terrorism from. And yes, to add to the humanitarian values that were in Afghanistan. Right, Those people have been abjectly betrayed by this administration. I'm getting letters from them all day long, the last several days. And this administration, they, they, they were focusing on what really mattered. And that was the threat of white supremacy within. That was the threat of domestic terrorism in the United States. Okay, so the, the, there are bad people in the United States. They exist. But the incredible conflation, like the, the left knows what's happening here. They do. The hard left understand that what they've just done is humiliate themselves globally. Like really humiliate themselves. That's what, that's what this represents. And so they have to come up with an alternative narrative. And the alternative narrative is that the Taliban... Yeah, they're bad, but we've got bad people here too. The Taliban are really bad. But you know what? We have an American Taliban. We need to fight. We need to bring those soldiers home. Not to, as so many on the right seem to think, send them to the border or redeploy them to the South China Sea. No, the left would like to bring everybody home, focus all of our resources internally. And this is also true with our moral capital. It used to be the United States exported its moral capital. Right? We had all this moral capital. We were the most free country most powerful country in the, in the history of the world, in the history of the world, the most tolerant and diverse country in the history of the world, by the way, also. And we were exporting that moral capital abroad, sometimes to great effect, sometimes to no effect, and sometimes to help build nascent democracy in places like Iraq. And yes, at the beginning in Afghanistan, or maybe we were doing it unsuccessfully in Afghanistan, but successfully in Germany and Japan, right? The United States has a long history of exporting our moral capital elsewhere. But now, because the left has decided we have no moral capital, Instead, we have to take all of our reasons. We have to we have to stop interfering in world affairs. We have to let our enemies take advantage of the vacuum that we create. We have to focus all of our moral resources at home. We have to rebuild our moral capital and rebuilding that moral capital starts at home. We have to make sure that all of our public school students learn about their white privilege. We have to ensure that America sees its dire history of racism, sexism, bigotry, and homophobia. We have to rebuild morally speaking. And that means taking on the real enemy. The real enemy is not tens of thousands of miles away. The real enemy is not in Afghanistan. The real enemy is not terrorists or China. The real enemy is here within. That's the enemy that we have to fight, according to members of the hard left. So you have the specter of Stephen Colbert. This is unbelievable. Likening Trump voters to the Taliban. This happened two nights ago. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. He's right. We've had troops there for 20 years. They fought. They sacrificed. Their families sacrificed so that we wouldn't have a terrorist attack in America planned in a foreign country. Why should our soldiers be fighting radicals in a civil war in Afghanistan? We've got our own on Capitol Hill. We've got our own on Capitol Hill. You see the people who are outside the Capitol. That was what that picture was. The people who are outside the Capitol building on January 6th, they are the same as the American Taliban. They are, the, they are just the same thing. They're the same. Oh, are they now? Fascinating. So if that were the case, and, and by the way, that's, that's what he wants, right? The idea is that we have to redeploy the American military against people who disagree with, with Stephen Colbert. That's, that's, an, that's an unbelievable statement right there. Okay, so by the way, even in that statement, he acknowledges why we were supposed to remain in Afghanistan to fight terrorism, because guess what? That threat has not ended, and now it's going to be reconstituted in Afghanistan. But that's a side point. For the radical left, the enemy is not the Taliban. Those are people who are very far away engaged in a civil war. The enemy is you. The enemy is people who think like you, who disagree with Stephen Colbert. He doesn't mean that we need the American military there 
to put down actual violent action only at the Capitol building. No, far from it. The left conflates all those people you see. The left is not interested in separating off the people who engaged in violent activity and who were duly arrested at the Capitol building. The left believes that everyone who is outside the Capitol is the same as everybody who actually violated the law. They believe that everybody who voted for Donald Trump is the same as the people outside the Capitol. And this is what the left does. We have violent terrorists in the United... By the way, you know what happened with that? You know how many people were actually murdered on that day? And the answer is that no actual people were murdered on that day. The only person who was actually killed on that day, as in actively killed on that day, was Ashley Babbitt, who was one of the protesters, one of the rioters, right? She was engaging in criminal activity. That's the... And the entire place was cleared within three hours and the the government went on. So if that sounds a lot like the Taliban to you, it's because you're a crazy person. It's because you're out of your damned mind. There's also, there are also gradations of people doing bad things and believing terrible things. Okay, the people who invaded the Capitol building and the belief that the election was illegitimate are not remotely on the level of human beings in Afghanistan who wish to crowd women back into basements, keep them there as sex slaves for decades on end, make sure they can't go to school, make sure that everybody lives under the most brutal and violent form of Sharia law. Like, can, can we make any sort of gradations here? Can we say that even if we think that the January 6th riots were an act of evil, that that is a different level of evil than people who are literally living in Stone Age barbarism and murdering people in order to ensure that Stone Age barbarism rules? Are there no gradations here at all? According to the left, there aren't. And in fact, the people in the United States who did this are much more dangerous to us than the Taliban. They're much more dangerous, like because 9-11 never happened, you see. 9-11 was a figment of your imagination. 9-11, in fact... What happened on January 6th is worse than 9-11 in the minds of the left because it came from here, even though it resulted, again, in no murders. That, that, it, that is not to downplay the evil of that, but, but to, to the comparison to 9-11 itself is, is idiotic. But to the left, it's worse. It's worse than 9-11. 9-11 basically never happened, according to the left. So we don't have to worry about threats abroad anymore. Those are done, according to Stephen Colbert. The real threat is you. The real threat is people who think like you. And by the way, if you don't think, that they are conflating everybody. If you think that Colbert is just talking about the rioters, you're wrong. Malcolm Nance, who you'll recall, I debated on uh, on Bill Maher. And I pointed out that Malcolm Nance has a really, really nasty habit of conflating the people who engaged in criminal activity on January 6th with everyone who voted for Trump. Now Malcolm Nance has a new theory. His theory is that Trump voters everywhere are going to engage in an actual violent civil war, which would explain why we need to pull out from Afghanistan to activate against those people. Here's Malcolm Nance doing what he does most often, which is claim that he has inside intelligence information suggesting that a massive civil war is about to break out in the United States led by Trump. These guys view themselves as this fanciful group of patriotic freedom fighters, the second coming of the sons of liberty. And there are many of them who are preparing for civil war right now. All the shame that we tried to give them after January 6th, that's gone. There are many of them right now that are ready to fight. And we're seeing politicians in the state houses and the Capitol who are actually, you know, pushing them subliminally to fight. This doltish clod, here's what he had to say right before that. Quote, the Republican Party is more like Sinn Féin. And the relationship between Sinn Féin, the Irish Nationalist Party, and the Irish Republican Army, provisional Irish Republican Army terrorist group, who called themselves freedom fighters and insurgents, and had Americans, American congressmen, sending them money to buy, you know, heavy machine guns. Okay, so the, the idea here, again, from the left, increasingly, is that the Taliban are not bad, right? Or at least they're not really a threat. Maybe they're not great, but really should we worry about them? The real threat is everyone who voted Republican, everyone who voted Trump. Those people are the real threat. Those are the people we deeply 
have to worry about. Michael Moore made this absolutely clear. So Michael Moore is a, is a complete buffoon. He tweeted out, their Taliban, our Taliban, everybody's got a Taliban. They're at their best when they confiscate the halls of power. And then he tweeted a picture of the Taliban sitting at the uh, seat of the national government. And then the uh, buffoonish idiots who invaded the Capitol building on January 6th. Um, you will note that the people in the upper picture, the Taliban, they're going to murder probably tens of thousands of human beings. They're also going to retain this dictatorship until presumably the end of time. And uh, the people at the bottom are a bunch of clods in buffalo hats who were cleared out of the Capitol and arrested within three hours. Those are not comparable. Those are not remotely comparable. But if you can draw the parallel, the left has been doing this for, for 20 years, by the way, but, but now it's really kicked into high gear since Trump. If you can draw the parallel between enemies abroad and enemies at home, you can treat enemies at home as we treated enemies abroad. This is dangerous stuff. This is dangerous stuff. Because for members of the radical left and increasingly the mainstream left, if the idea is we rebuild moral capital by destroying the enemies here at home, this is how tyranny happens. This is how authoritarianism happens. If you are justified in treating, I mean, after all, we, we literally fought the Taliban. We unleashed the drones on them. We've probably killed tens of thousands of members of the Taliban over the years. If, we, if there's an equivalent group in the United States to the Taliban, we would have to treat them like we treated the Taliban, would we not? Members of the left are eager and happy about that, of the hard left. If that sentiment grows, that, that really is a threat to the future of the country on a broad scale. But we have many threats to the future of the country. We have the radicals on the left who think that everybody who disagrees with them is the American Taliban and must be thoroughly destroyed. We have a group of people on the left who believe that government ought to rule all of our lives on the basis of the slimmest, the, the slimmest and thinnest of reeds, like at this point, the COVID pandemic. We have people on the left who believe that the pathway back to American moral capital is to completely destroy the American economic system by burdening it with the greatest spending binge in the history of, of anything and to destroy America's credibility on the foreign stage. Decline is a choice. The left is choosing it. All righty, we'll be back here later today with for an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show. On today's episode, Michael will be talking about Lizzo's complaints over fat phobia. That episode is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The Biden administration refuses to guarantee the safety of Americans stranded in Afghanistan. The ruling class demands we take in millions of refugees. And New Zealand locks down over a single COVID case. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hey, 